You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today on the show, Ted Wynn from The Athletic joins us to talk about the article he wrote about Matt LaFleur, Aaron Rodgers' place in it, Devontae Adams' place in it and what this could look like, why Matt LaFleur is a promising young offensive coach, some of the the plays that he may want to run, some of the concepts he likes to use, and and ways that he approaches the game. It is going to be a football-heavy conversation. And so, you know, I I like to try and, and give everyone an opportunity to imbibe this podcast, to receive it in a way that that they're able to you know, ingest it, understand it, come to a better understanding of the game. And I think every once in a while that means pushing the boundaries, pushing the limits of the kinds of things that we're able to talk about on a podcast. It is much easier in this article. Go subscribe to The Athletic. Go read the piece. It is much easier to see the the way that he is describing some of these concepts. We're going to talk about the the broader strokes of it. And the, the general philosophies, a more macro view of it, a more 30,000-foot view of it. But it's still going to be a football nerd conversation. I hope that, that that's what you're here for. But I'm just I'm getting it out there now. That is, that is just the reality of the situation. So it's fun. We had fun. I had a good time talking to Ted. It's always going to be fun on this show. I think a little bit less fun. We're going to start the show. Uh, I, I'm really doing a great job of selling this episode. Luckily, you're already here, so hopefully you're going to stay. I hope you're not turning it off. <laughs> We're going to start with the report from Mike Silver that the Packers uh, do not intend to re-sign Randall Cobb, and that is something that should not be a surprise to anyone. We saw the hug between Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb at the end of the season, and the embrace, and Randall Cobb is in tears And those two are legitimately close. Rodgers was in Cobb's wedding. Rodgers is obviously a bad leader. Everyone knows that, bad in the locker room, but was just in, you know, one of his receiver's weddings. No big deal. And I think it's clear Green Bay came to the conclusion that despite the fact that Randall Cobb is still relatively young, he cannot be relied upon to stay healthy. When he is healthy, he can be productive in a specific role. That role is not as crucial. We did not discuss this with Ted. But that slot receiver role, that that slot specific type player is not as crucial in this offense. And what is more important is crisp route running and then having someone that can give you speed over the top and having multiple receivers in the in the case of the Packers. I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scantling can fly. We've seen DeVonte Adams can be a big play down the field type receiver. And 
Equinemius St. Brown is a 4-4-40 guy. He made plays down the field at Notre Dame. So they have guys that can create down the field. They don't really need some, someone you know, to do some of the things that Randall Cobb did. They do like to run receiver screens. And you always like to have someone that can get open quickly in that short area quickness space. We, we, we've talked about that on this show. But they don't have to be a receiver. It could be a tight end. It could be a running back. The, the slot receiver paradigm, that archetype of player, the Wes Welker type, the Julian Edelman type, the Falcons under Kyle Shanahan didn't have that. And they don't have that in San Francisco, really. Marquise Goodwin is a, the size of a slot receiver, but plays on the boundary and plays in the slot sometimes. And the Rams, a, a Shanahan disciple, they use Brandon Cook's on the outside, they use him in the slot. Cooper Cup was a big part of that offense, but he is not necessarily a traditional slot receiver. He's white, but he really doesn't look like, in terms of size, Wes Welker, for example, or even Randall Cobb. That's That slot position is more important to Sean McVay than it is to, say, Matt LaFleur, specifically because they don't play with three receivers as much. So you're, you're more often playing with two tight ends, with a running back and a fullback, or a running back and an H-back and a tight end, and two receivers. Two receivers. It's more important that those two receivers have versatility. You have Devontae Adams. You're going to have whoever is starting opposite him and then someone else. And we don't know if that's going to be EQ or Geronimo Allison. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is certainly going to get some run as a receiver they don't they don't they, they would like to have some diversity i think in skill set and you'd like to have just just to have a, a a diverse group of receivers that have a multitude of different kinds of skills there are going to be times when you want a receiver to get open in a hurry when you want that third and three conversion because you want to just get that that 3 yards because it's a critical 3 yards you want to have someone that you trust to get open quickly but that can be Devontae adams he, he kills teams on slants and those kinds of in-breaking routes. So it, it would be, an, it would be a, a luxury in some ways, but it would also be a diversification when you think of it like a stock portfolio. For Green Bay, it's not something they need per se. Now, when I have, I have made this case before that they need that short area quickness guy because they need a receiver who can be a run-after-the-catch threat. They need someone that they can get the ball out to in a hurry and go make a play. They like to run those receiver screens, and that is that is going to be a part of this offense. This is why I think someone like Nikhil Harry is interesting. That's a, the receiver from Arizona State, and we're going to get to um, the continuing saga of the offseason report cards with receiver next week because I'm getting through the receivers now in terms of the draft and free agency. Uh, I, I do think there's a possibility they go after a free agent receiver. Um, I, I don't think it's a high possibility, but there is a possibility. And someone like Nikhil Harry that the Packers have been linked to, it, it's a player that they like. He can make plays after the catch. He can also go up at the catch point and win jump balls, which is something that you love to have in the red zone. He would give them, even though he's 6'3", 218, he would give them a diversification of skill set because he is an excellent after the catch receiver strong sudden 
and can make people miss. So I, I just I, we don't have to get bogged down in archetypes with slot receivers. Randall Cobb was that, just happened to be. But interestingly, when you look at, you know, let's say his testing measurables, for example, wasn't a great change of direction player in terms of agility, was was a good straight line speed guy coming out, but quickly lost that that juice down the field. I mean, we're talking even even as as soon as 2014, it seemed like he was unable to separate down the field in the same way that he had in 2011, 2012. So moving on from Randall Cobb is expected. Um, it doesn't make it any less difficult because he was a tremendous Packer. He was a, a boon to the community and the organization, and he cared about the community. He cared about family. He cared about the Packers and gave everything he could. I mean, played hurt. This is a guy who fought injuries his whole career in Green Bay, and you do wonder what could have been because when he was healthy early in his career, in his prime, he was a star player punctuated by that 2014 season where he and Jordy Nelson just lit the league on fire. The Packers had that great team and should have gone to the Super Bowl. Things happen. And this isn't even, it's a business. You look at at Randall Cobb, he just can't get it done consistently anymore. He's not under contract. So it's not even, there's not even really a decision to make. They went into the draft last year, understanding this was all going to happen. They planned for it. They drafted three receivers. Now, that was for Mike McCarthy. McCarthy talked about wanting to get bigger and faster and more athletic. That's great. Maybe Matt LaFleur has some different ideas about how the receiver room should look. But when you when you look at the, the kinds of receivers that win in this offense, the size speed is less important. It's more about the ability to run routes and win deep. They love to take shots. And they love to set up double moves. So if you can do that, something Marquez Valdez-Scantling showed an ability for last year. Devontae Adams is the double move king in the NFL. Uh, those are, are traits that you look for. I, th- I think that some of those size things, they're just less relevant in this offense because they re- the, the offense relies less on winning in isolation. And, and before we go too far down the road of this new offense... We should we should wait, and we should get set to bring in Ted Wynn. All right, Ted Wynn is an NFL staff writer at The Athletic NFL. You can follow him on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis. One of the best we have at, at breaking down tape and, and being able to explain concepts. The piece he wrote is Ted's Film Room, How Matt LaFleur Can Help Aaron Rodgers and the Packers Offense Get Back on Track. Ted, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. No problem. Thanks for having me on. So you wrote this this really interesting piece for The Athletic, breaking down uh, Matt LaFleur's system, or at least what we some some concepts that we can expect, um, you know, with, with some level of certainty that that Matt LaFleur is going to run uh, and, and how Aaron Rodgers and this team might react to some of those concepts. I want to start with something that you pointed out that I think is particularly troubling when it comes to what this offense was last year and I think over the last few years. And you you pointed to a play where the spacing and the timing with Jimmy Graham and Marquez Valdez-Scantling was just off. And that was something that players had called out over the course of the season, that attention to detail 
was just not there for Green Bay. How much do you think just sort of everyone being on the same page, whether or not Matt LaFleur has a great scheme or just an okay one, uh, could help this offense? Oh, it's going to be huge. And I, you know, you alluded to it. I think it's been a problem in the last few years, but with last year with a bunch of younger receivers, it became exacerbated and it became a big problem where guys just weren't where they're supposed to be. Um, and it, you know, Roger, Aaron Rodgers had his faults last year too. Uh, so he's not totally blameless in this, but when you're not where you're supposed to be, the quarterback's unsure of where you're supposed to be. It's hard to throw these timing routes and it may look like he's passing up on receivers, but if he's just not totally sure where people are going to be, it's just going to lead to uh, a lot of bad timing. It's going to lead to guys not getting open because you're all in the same space. Uh, so just having a coach that's going to be uh, pressing on spacing, um, it's going to be huge. And um, when you watch Kyle Shanahan's offense, McVay's offense, they have such great spacing between their guys. LaFleur, I think he was originally a wide receivers guy. So I think he's going to um, really harp on this issue, and it should be much better next year. And I kind of talked about it in an article where there's going to be less, vo- uh, less smaller volume of plays, and they could uh, like focus on the details more with the few plays that they do have. I thought McCarthy just had a lot of plays, way too many concepts. And it's just really hard to master, especially when you have a group of young receivers. One of the problems uh, the last few years is that Mike McCarthy's offense felt a lot like plays rather than a, a cohesive scheme. Uh, there, there wasn't always great uh, thought, it seemed like, put into building off plays and, and creating a, a system rather than just calling plays. And you laid that out in the article. Um, that, that was something that Matt LaFleur, though you know maybe uneven last year as a play caller, flashed the ability if we're if we're in college scouting season we talk about flashing the ability to do something we saw it in spurts last year that Matt LaFleur has this ability to take something and adapt it based on how he thinks the defense is gonna is gonna react to it yeah we don't typically talk about coaches in that way we're projecting uh, but LaFleur is a really young coach and last year was his first year as an offensive coordinator and like you said he did flash an ability to really tailored game plans and showed kind of that ingenuity that you want from play callers. An example that I, I showed in the um, the article was he saw that the Texans were covering a certain formation a certain way, and the next week the Texan the Titans got into the exact same formation. They adjusted the play a little bit, and they were able to get a wide open tight end right down the middle for I think a sixty yard touchdown. And it was just really kind of ingenious how they saw that. Uh, flaw in the coverage and was able to um, to manipulate it and create a really easy opportunity for Marcus Mariota. So those are the things that you really want to see from coaches. And you don't see that from every coach in NFL, every offensive player caller from NFL. So that's just a really good sign from um, LaFleur. And yeah, it, the system is it, it's proven to work. It's a, it's a simple system. You have to be able to run outside zone. You play action off of that. You use condensed formations. You make defense communicate on their bunch switches and all those all those things. And it, it's been proven to work. I think it's. I'm excited to see a quarterback of, of Aaron Rodgers' caliber play in this type of offense. Yeah, you mentioned the 60 yard touchdown and and uh, there this offense and the play action in it. 
helps create shot plays. That's something you also talk about in the article. And Rodgers last year, I think to his own fault, was always looking for shot plays. And the problem was the shot plays were just part of mostly isolation routes where he was asking the receiver, McCarthy was, to go in his route. This offense creates those opportunities with spacing and with formation and uh, allows receivers to work to open spaces does it it seems to me and and you can correct me if i'm wrong on this it seems to me that it will simplify in some ways the reads that aaron rodgers has on some of those shot plays to say this is what we're designing this is where this is all designed to go and it's either there or it's not and there's a a built-in outlet valve for him to just dump it off to if he has to yeah, and I, I don't know how McCarthy w- was teaching certain concepts last year, uh, but I know for a fact that in this offense, there are very clear-cut progressions. Uh, for example, the play that you were talking about, the big shot play from this McVay-Shanahan system is called uh, the Yankee concept, the burner concept with a deep post and a deep crosser off of hard play action fakes. Uh, the deep post is the um, the first read, and if it's not open, you go to the crosser. If the crosser's not open, then you go to the check down. Uh, so yeah, I mean they're they're built-in shot plays, and there's a reason why that these shot plays get open so uh, so well is because they're designed well and they take advantage of certain defensive structures. And it's just up to Rogers to really buy into the system and be disciplined when it comes to the reads. And I, I'm not sure if um, like I'm not sure if McCarthy was teaching the reads differently or in a bizarre way. Or whatever it was, it just seemed like Rodgers was just not trusting the system, not trusting his reads. So it's going to be up to him to really trust the system and buy into uh, the things that Lafleur is going to teach, and almost have to, has to relearn uh, relearn certain things in uh, this stage of his career. Yeah, and and I think the the thing that that I really liked about uh, what I saw when I went back and watched Tennessee last year was. I, as you did, noticed that the the appeal for Devontae Adams in this offense could really be, uh, he's just got to be licking his chops to be in this offense because he has shown his route running ability. And for someone that is as sudden as him and, and can sell double moves, especially as well as him, this offense is really tailor made for his skills. Yeah, for sure. And I think we're just, uh, he's just tapping in, barely tapping into his potential uh, I think there's a lot of interesting routes like the blaze out route that he's going to be able to run. And they run a lot of double moves in this offense. It's not just a random double move. Like he's going to run an out, you know, it's not like he hasn't ran an out the entire game. And then all of a sudden he's going to run an out and up. They build off of each other in this system. Uh, so it's going to be uh, exciting to see Devonte Adam run, run in a system where these shot plays are built in and kind of uh, set up for set up from a play or a few plays before. You mentioned Rodgers buying into this offense. Uh, how do you, uh, this is new for him. And and there's going to be some concepts that he's familiar with. And at a certain point, you know, there, there there's only so many plays that exist in the world. But if there are fewer concepts, um, that should make his adjustment period into this a little bit easier, shouldn't it? Especially if they're going to drill these specific concepts down over and over. Yeah, I mean, it should. It should. I mean, you see how quickly... Um, Jared Goff was able to pick up a McVay system. Yeah. And actually Jared well, Goff can do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but thinking back on it, it did take, um, it did take Matt Ryan a year to really uh, take, get this system down from um, 
when mm-hmm. Shanahan first got there in Atlanta. So it really depends on how much of the offense Lafleur wants to put in in his first year. If he wants to just put in his entire offense and kind of take the take your you know shots and take your wounds while you're learning his offense, or do you want to? Um, do you think you have enough talent to where you don't have to overwhelm the players on offense with too you know too much and just kind of slowly put things in? Um, so it, it it just depends on the coach, and I think it depends on how quickly Rodgers can. Taking his offense as well, I think the line. Um, I think the problem is it takes it usually takes a year for the offensive line to pick up that a complete buy into uh, outside zone system. Um, the the Rams in year one with McVeigh is kind of a aberration. Anytime you see a team kind of make this transition, it takes a year to pick it up. Like you saw the Niners their first year with Shanahan, it was terrible, and then the next year they're one of the top rushing teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to, to Green Bay's uh, credit, they have a veteran offensive line that's very athletic, and they actually ran outside zone uh, pretty well last year. Um, so if you could run the ball really well, it really kind of um, takes away the the growing pains of learning a new offense. Yeah, and and that was something that McCarthy got a lot of criticism for, was not using Aaron Jones more, not running the ball more, and even Aaron Rodgers. I mean, when your two-time MVP is saying, we need to run the ball more, I think that makes you stand up and take notice and say, okay, something's really wrong with this offense. If the quarterback is saying we have to play with better balance uh, to go along with that, uh, that simplicity in terms of number of plays um, you wrote about creating uncertainty. And this is something that Matt LaFleur has talked about. It was something that Devonte Adams singled out after his conversation with LaFleur and this, and this idea of, um, multiplicity and and creating creating eye candy. That's something Sean McVay's offense is really good at is is giving people things to look at that aren't really part of what's going on here. Um, it, it seems like this offense has that. So how I mean, how can they use that um, to their advantage? Yeah. So you know, we we, talk, we talked about it. The, the Packers were bottom of the the league in, in rushing, la- rushing attempts last year, even yeah. though Aaron Jones at the highest yards per carry mm-hmm. of back that had over hundred carries as a, that qualifies in that. Uh, so with just committing more to the run and the reason why the sound you just heard was all of our listeners driving off the road as they were, as you were repeating that. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's just uh, the play action. It works so well in the outside zone because it's very hard to distinguish an outside zone block from an outside zone boot block. Uh, they look almost identical. So, um, and you just force these players to move gaps and that sort of thing. So that first three seconds where Rogers turns his back to the defense, it could either be outside zone. It could be a boot. It could be a screen off that boot. Uh, there's just a bunch of plays that could come out of that first three seconds. And that's what creating uncertainty is. Um, and you'll see a lot of the same concepts over and over again. They'll just run it from different personnel uh, different motions, different shifts, different window dressing. You hear that all the time. Uh, but with this McFleur, Shanahan, and uh, McVay system, they really do take it to another level when it comes to window dressing. They, When you watch their offense, it's just not – they don't run a lot of different plays. It's just they have a bunch of different ways to run it. And when you don't have a lot of plays, your, your players could really master the concepts that you teach. And it just goes back to that attention to detail that the uh, the Packers were really lacking last year. Yeah. One of the, one of the things, you know, there are some fans out there that are, that are concerned, I think about 
the system and this idea of you know bringing a system to Rodgers rather than adapting it. But one of the and one of the things that makes Aaron Rodgers so potent is his ability to extend plays and create second reaction opportunities. Is there still going to be room for that in this offense, or are we going to expect Matt Lafleur to want things a little bit more regimented um, in terms of playing on schedule and and you know doing that on a more consistent basis? Yeah, I, I think you never want to take away Rogers' ability to uh, to extend plays and make plays from nothing, but at the same time, he I think he's going to want things to be more um, more regimented and more. Uh, a little more in structure. And I think that's better for Rogers that he doesn't have to extend plays or make plays on his own as often. But if he trusts the system and plays to it and then uses his ability to uh, make plays at when things aren't going uh, wrong to add on to the system, I think that's when you're really going to see Rogers get back to being um, Aaron Rodgers. The last question here, as we as we move toward the combine and free agency is going to start here in, in about two weeks, is there a, a not a specific player, but a position, a, a sort of archetype of player that Green Bay doesn't have on their roster that if they did, if they were to find a player like that, could really unlock this offense? I really think they need a, another tight end in the system. And Jimmy Graham just isn't a great blocker. And we talked about it. The, the Packers going to run the ball more with LeFleur. And uh, you need a good edge blocker in this offense. And Graham just isn't that guy right now. He's not a guy that could separate horizontally on those boot concepts. He's a guy that goes down vertically and um, kind of catches contested balls in the seams. Uh, but it's just this, this offense isn't really tailored around his skills. And this class of tight ends can be pretty good. Uh, it's pretty good. So it it seems like if the Packers could get a tight end, um, when do they draft? They draft um, they have 12, 30, and 44 in the top 50. 12. So they have a shot at Iowa's Hawkinson, which is a really great, a really good tight end prospect. Um, Faint, the other tight end from Iowa, could be a good target too. But if, if Hawkinson's there at 12, I would not hesitate to draft him right there at that spot. There are a lot of Packer fans that agree with you, Ted. Uh, where can where can some of those people and all my listeners find more of the work that you do? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis, or you could uh, read my work on The Athletic. Great, Ted. I appreciate you taking the time. No problem. Thanks for having me on. All right. I want to thank Ted again for joining the show. Really insightful stuff there. I, I highly recommend you go read the piece. I've, I have stumped for your, you to subscribe to The Athletic in the past. I will, I will reiterate that. I will repeat it. Um, and you should be willing to pay for good work. I, I'm really uh, I'm, I'm adamant about that. So this, the, the piece is how Matt LaFleur can get Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense back on track. It is, it, I mean, I'm, I, I found the link. I was out somewhere and I, I basically stopped what I was doing so that I could read it because I was just so in, interested in what I was going to find. And, and the article does not disappoint. Uh, I, I think one of the things that I like to do here is to prepare you to see what you're going to see on the field. I want you to be ready for it. I don't want you to be taken by surprise by what you're going to see. That's the point of breaking it down after we see it. But it's also important to push forward and project. We talked about this with Ted, projecting what Matt LaFleur's offense is going to look like. So if you want a sneak peek, he pulled in a couple plays, some that the Packers already run variations of 
to try and give you a flavor for what is going to be coming this year. Jason Hershorn on the show tomorrow. Hopefully John Ledyard on the show after that. Um, all schedules willing. So a very, very busy week here on Locked on Packers. And we are, we are going to get you set for the NFL Combine. Players already arriving, media making their way. And that means there's going to be a lot of media tweets in your timeline, uh, mostly them complaining about whatever. And uh, and the player testing will, will get underway. So we'll have a breakdown of all of that as it's happening and, and give you some players to keep an eye on, obviously highlight players as they perform well. And, and we'll be able to break all of that down as it's happening, after it's happening. That is why you have a daily show. That is why we are here Monday through Thursday. We'll be back tomorrow. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775, so you can stay Locked on Packers.